Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning on this day of transfiguration, where we remember when Jesus goes on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and Jesus' glory as fully God is made known, which will be the focus of our meditation and our worship today. Let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship this morning with our thanksgiving for baptism. I invite all those who are able to stand to turn and face the font. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, the fountain of living water, the rock who gave us birth, our light and our salvation. Joined to Christ in the waters of baptism, we are clothed with God's mercy and forgiveness. Let us give thanks for the gift of baptism. We give you thanks, O God, for in the beginning your spirit moved over the waters, and by your word you created the world, calling forth life in which you took delight. Through the waters of the flood you delivered Noah and his family. Through the sea you led your people Israel from slavery into freedom. At the river your son was baptized by John and anointed with the Holy Spirit. By water in your word you claim us as your beloved children making us heirs of your promise and servants of all. We praise you for the gift of water that sustains life. And above all, we praise you for the gift of new life in Jesus Christ. Shower us with your spirit and renew our lives with your forgiveness, grace, and love. To you be given honor and praise through Jesus Christ our Lord in the unity of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
Let us pray. Almighty God, the resplendent light of your truth shines from the mountaintop into our hearts. Transfigure us by your beloved Son and illumine the world with your image through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated and prepare your hearts, minds, and ears to hear the Word of God. The first reading is from 2 Kings, the second chapter. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way to Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elijah, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, Please, let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I have been taken away from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and the horses. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. The word of the Lord.
The second lesson is from 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled for those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. The Gospel according to Mark, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they'd seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Today is Transfiguration Sunday where we see Jesus on the mountain appearing as dazzling white and the fullness of his identity as fully God is on display. One of the most striking and powerful moments of Jesus' earthly ministry. So given all of that, you might be a little surprised to my focus verse today, which reads... Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, 
but only Jesus. Stick with me. You'll see where I'm going. What could the disciples perceive? I ask that question because I think we frequently can read this story and we think of the way Jesus was changed before them. After all, the word transfigure is from the Greek word metamorpho, where we get metamorphosis from. So it sure seems like that, but I wonder if that's accurate, that Jesus really changed. What was changed, if you look carefully, was his outward appearance. His clothes became shining white. Other people show up around Jesus, Moses and Elijah. They talk with him. But Jesus himself, you'll notice, it doesn't say anything changes about him personally. In fact, the voice from the cloud that says, this is my beloved son, actually is a repeat. This same sentiment had already been presented at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, before Jesus says anything at his baptism. This that says, you are my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. There's actually nothing new presented here about Jesus. What has happened, though, is the disciples are able to perceive who this Jesus is in a new way. The work that Jesus has done over the course of this gospel, coming up to chapter 9, doing the very powerful things of God, implied that Jesus was fully God and fully within the glory of God. Here, they see Jesus conversing with Moses and Elijah. You'll notice Moses and Elijah don't speak to them. They're speaking to Jesus. And we have no reason to believe this was the first time said experience was there for Jesus. Just the first time the disciples could see it. Well, all of that suggests at the transfiguration, Jesus hasn't changed at all. What has happened is simply he's made explicit what was already implicit. And that he has been this whole time will now be known. I emphasize this because Transfiguration Sunday is always the last Sunday before the season of Lent. And this Wednesday we have Ash Wednesday and we'll be shifting toward the season of Lent where we emphasize the humanity of Jesus as he heads toward the cross. And because of that Lenten emphasis, I think sometimes people can have the sense, especially if you don't care for Lent very much, we can have the sense that we almost need this Transfiguration Sunday before all of that so that we can see Jesus in full power So then he can go and we can get through Lent where we see Jesus as a human who's suffering. 
As if the transfiguration is just that reminder that there's coming another high point after a seeming low several weeks. And the goal for today is just a kind of reminder of the brightness of the transfiguration to get through dreary Lent. Which is a feeling I know none of you hold. But I'd like us today to look at another aspect of transfiguration. Something that's not just about the brightness and the brilliance. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with him anymore, but only Jesus. See, I think we usually look at this story about the transfiguration and this text, and we think actually only part of it is the transfiguration. The part where Jesus is described as bright and shining and Moses and Elijah are there. And then at this point, at this verse, when they look around and see no one else, we assume the transfiguration is over. And now we're on to something else. And I think that tendency also fits with how we generally think about the disciples as these, you know, hapless travelers who are relative fools who aren't going to understand. And so all they can see is the most basic aspect of Jesus is, so this Jesus on the mountain isn't going to work. We need to go back to normal. But today, I'd like to suggest something else. The text never says, Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, and then when he came down, he was not transfigured anymore. It also doesn't say, Moses and Elijah, stop speaking to Jesus. It says the disciples can't see it anymore. And implicitly, we kind of assume that Jesus' clothes are no longer the dazzling white because no one ever mentions it again. But it doesn't say he's no longer transfigured, that this moment of power and transfiguration is over. Instead, what I would invite us to see is that when Jesus heads to the cross, which he'll do immediately following this in the Gospel of Mark. In fact, this is just after Jesus has for the first time predicted that he's going to suffer and die. That this scene of power leading toward these scenes of suffering are not two separate things. Instead, Jesus is the powerful one who's heading to the cross. Jesus, as transfigured and God's beloved Son, heads toward Jerusalem knowing He's going to set all things right. In the season of Lent, rather than it being Jesus having been powerful and glorified in the past and now humiliated and suffering, it is Jesus glorified and majestic in the present, even while being a very real human with human weakness. It's suggesting a way of living for us that might not be completely intuitive. I think we think of the suffering and death of Christ as fundamentally different than the resurrection of Christ. As if the death is Jesus' humanity and the resurrection, Jesus' divinity. A common misconception. 
but from the very incarnation itself, God becoming human. These are not two separate things. If Jesus is truly human, whether or not he was crucified, he was going to die. And rectifying all humanity in himself, he was going to be resurrected, no matter how he died. For God, those are not separate things. We might look at it as to say, one must lead to the next, but for the present reality, where we are right now, post-cross and empty tomb, the present reality God lives in, who God is now, these are both present. Jesus remains the one who died and was raised. Both things were true and remain true. I think in our own lives we feel that same tension. We live in both the world of death and pain and the world of new creation and the life that really is life. We trust that eventually the world of death and pain will pass away, but until that time, both death and resurrection are present for us right now. And I think many can resonate with that from your own experience. Very rarely are moments of pain and grief only painful. There is also hope and life. Just as moments of joy and exaltation are not without also pain and grief. Both things are always present all the time. And that's where Jesus meets us. Jesus holds both things to be true and embodies both things at all times. The human experience we live in. So today, and next week in the season of Lent, also both things are true. Our focus verse, suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them, but only Jesus. I I think when we hear that last bit, they saw no one but only Jesus, that we assume they missed out. They can't see the cloud, Moses or Elijah, only Jesus. But what if that's not something they missed out on? What if it's not such a negative to see Jesus alone? Moses and Elijah are still there. Jesus is just as much transfigured as he was on the top of that mountain as he's heading down it. But they see only Jesus. They know now that there is more going on than they can perceive, but what they can see and perceive in real time is Jesus who uniquely relates to them. Jesus who encapsulates both the suffering of the world and the glory of it. Both the death and the resurrection. This is a reality not developed so that we could talk about advanced Christology from the Council of Chalcedon, but experientially in our own lives. That the contradiction of this world, of one both of hope and new creation, while being in sin and death, and resurrection and new life, are all embodied in Jesus and Jesus alone. And they see 
Jesus alone. That God became a human so humans could be with God. That's the one they see. That's not a detriment for these disciples. They can't see Moses or Elijah or the clothes as dazzling white. What they see is Jesus looking like they look. They see the one who is God who is with us. The one who says, I am with you unto the end of the age. So what do the disciples perceive? What we perceive. That Jesus is with us at all times. Amen.
full church at all times and places, let us confess our Christian faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated. As we celebrate Christ embodied in human form, we pray for God's blessing on the church, the world, and all of creation. We pray for the church, that the transformational power of God enters the heart of all people. May its leaders serve as examples of your grace and healing across time and space. God of grace, hear our prayer. We pray for the creation, that we will humbly observe the swirl of wind and the heat of the bright sun. Teach us to honor all you have made and to care for the animals, plants, air, and bodies of water of this planet. God of grace, hear our prayer. We pray for those charged with leadership, lawmaking, and governance of our towns, states, and countries that they will strive for goodness and justice all the days of their lives and callings. God of grace, hear our prayer. We pray for this congregation and its ministry in the wider community. Especially this day, we pray for our campus ministry in Christus House. May we share the transforming beauty and love of God in ways that honor the dignity of all whom we encounter. God of grace, hear our prayer. We pray for any who are sick and suffering, in recovery or in any pain. Guide us to offer hospitality, shelter, friendship, and care to all in need. We pray especially this week for Terry Chapp, Chuck Dietz, Gay and Dal Haverland, Doug and Jody Martin, Morgan McCrory, Gretchen and Jeff Seamus, and several of the family members of David Joe. For whom else or what else do the people pray? God of grace, hear our prayer. 
trusting that all the saints, prophets, and those who die in faith are held in your care, we remember in thanksgiving those who've died. Grant us your gift of salvation as we await your coming in glory, as you comfort us in our grief. We pray especially for all those who love Dan Bates, who died this past week. God of grace, hear our prayer. Knowing the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, we offer these prayers and the silent prayers of our hearts. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. I invite you to stand up, share that peace with one another, and wave to those joining us from home, wherever they are, from the springs or wherever. The peace of Christ is with you too. A few notes about our life together this week. First message is a little bit of a repeat, but it's there for those of you joining us from home. One of the biggest challenges we have is that we have a wonderful streaming service where we have no ability to know who you are. So if you go to Central's webpage, right below where you log in to go to the stream, you'll see another button that just says, let us know who you are. It's just a way for us to connect to you, try to get to know you. So I encourage you to use that. Secondly, want to make note, you heard in the prayers that uh, longtime member Dan Bates died this last week. Service uh, for him are pending. It'll probably be in the summer due to family schedules and so on. So you'll hear when we have those details um, firmed up. Um, Next, want to uh, note this week we begin the season of Lent. So on Tuesday, before Lent begins, we have our Shrove Tuesday Pancake Supper. That'll begin at 5.15 in the parish hall. Please join us. It's going to be a great time. And stick around till um, 6.45 when the children's choir gets done where uh, we will start what Pastor Lori calls the Holy Hibachi where we burn all the palms from last um, last year's Palm Sunday to get the ashes for Ash Wednesday. So uh, we'll be doing that. And then Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday and there'll be a service in the sanctuary at noon and at 7.30. The one at 7.30 will be live streamed. So um, please make note of that. And then you see our Lenten midweek series, which will begin the following week. Um, and uh, that's uh, you can look carefully at that. 
you'll note there's a shift in time. So again, this is not this week, it's the following week. It's a little different than we've done in the past of the meal is at the normal time, 5.15 to 6 will be our soup supper. And then at 6, rather than it being a class, we're calling it an interactive reflection on the Word of God, meaning worship begins at 6, but in an interactive way that'll be discussion-based, and we will be talking about the text for the evening and reflecting on it and what it means for our lives. And then at 6.45, we'll have Holden Evening Prayer. So I really encourage you uh, to come for that whole experience from 6, at least from 6 until um, through Holden Evening Prayer, because that's where the meditation of the Word of God is, and then we will end liturgically with Holden. So uh, that's a little different than we've done before, so just make note of that. Um, and then you see the note about Concordia Choir uh, concert coming. You can um, see the details about that on March 10th. And then the last thing I want to mention is directly after service, please join us for a special coffee hour hosted at Christus House. This is something the students of Christus House asked if they could do, which was host a coffee hour for us. So today we won't have adult education in the library. Everybody go over to Christus House. We have an opportunity to talk with students, with the campus ministry committee, find out what's been happening over there, what are the different aspects of campus ministry. It'll just be a wonderful uh, engagement. So with those uh, brief announcements, let us continue with our worship service.
invite all who are able to stand. Let us pray. Gracious God, receive the gifts we bring, ourselves, our time, and our possessions. Through this meal, unite us as your body, shining with the light of your justice and mercy. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth. In your mercy for our fallen world, you gave your only Son, that all those who believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We give thanks to you for the salvation you have prepared for us through Jesus Christ. Send now your Holy Spirit into our hearts, that we may receive our Lord with a living faith as he comes to us in his holy supper. Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. In the night in which he was betrayed, Our Lord Jesus took bread, broke it and gave thanks and said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again after supper he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. 
For as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. For distribution this morning... Once the servers are in place, you'll come to the floor while you receive the bread in the form of a wafer and then intinct or dip it in the cup. The cup has red wine or white grape juice. For those of you at the balcony community, it'll be brought to you. This is Christ's meal, and it's Christ who bids you come. All are welcome at the Lord's table.
now. The body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Let us pray. Giver of every gift, Christ's body is our food, and we are Christ's body. Raise us to life by your power for the benefit of all, and to your glory, now and forever. Amen. By all who are able to stand and receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
in peace. Share the light of Christ. Thanks be to God.